Today on the Topping Show, Trump crushes an Iowa poll. Bud Light survey claims they're winning customers back. Well, the latest sales data actually show a 27% decrease in sales. YouTube banning continues. Microsoft Xbox is rolling out a social credit system that will ban you for certain words. Vivek Ramaswamy on the Second Amendment. Trump is 40 points up in a CBS poll. New York City lost $1 trillion in Wall Street business. Rolls-Royce drop tail will have a cost of $30 million and a V12. Lego is moving their USA headquarters. Subway inches towards a sale. Heineken launching a new beer. And Nissan has a recall for darn near all of the centrists. All of that and much more on The Topping Show. Thank you everyone for taking the time to tune in today. Today's episode of the Topping Show is sponsored by Topping Technologies. Topping Technologies is an IT value-added resource and services company with a special proficiency in IT security. Heck, I see they're found at least twice a day. Guys, he's quite handsome and brilliant. He's me, that's the joke. If you're an IT leader or a business owner, you need a little assistance. You can reach the team at sales at toppingtechnologies.com. And we have a fun promo for this month. We're giving away a free flamethrower with every August purchase. See the website for additional details. Now, going over to the business part of the podcast, you have Rolls-Royce Droptail having a manual roof, but not a manual transmission. Does it have V12, though? Now, this custom-built Rolls-Royce, it looks like it's going to be the first of four of the Droptails, and the British automa automaker unveiled it, and it's meticulously made, takes years to finish, and there's a, there's a certain rare beauty about having a 6.75 liter V12 turboed, twin turbo. A V12. It's almost reminiscent of when the company first started, and they actually made both. So Rolls-Royce engines and Rolls-Royce cars. You saw this a lot, of, a lot of back in the day. You had BMW starting off with aircraft or um, air engines, as well as you had motorcycles. A lot of these companies had a lot of crossover between the industries. And Rolls-Royce, to this day, makes some of the best jet engines out there. But I believe they actually split off. Most of the companies did a couple decades ago. Now. I can't believe some people are actually complaining it has a manual roof, which now they're saying it's a $30 million work of art and they're complaining it's a manual roof. That's not the main complaint they should be concerned about. The main complaint should be there's no manual transmission as every great car should have. Now, some people might say the owners don't care because they're not driving them. That's true, but think about the little guy. Think of the chauffeur whose job it is to drive around that billionaire or that I could only assume some oil baron or environmentalist who makes all the money off of the green energy that they sell which don't make anyone else a profit but those people at the top are doing quite well imagine that fun chauffeur having a stick shift and three pedals on the ground now some might say that's ridiculous it's a Rolls Royce, Rolls Royce they've never do that false the very first Rolls Royce back in 1904 had a 1.8 liter two-cylinder engine and a three-speed manual transmission so they did at one point have a manual transmission some would say they sold out years ago and acquiesced to the automatic transmission. And Rolls-Royce is all about luxury and smoothness. But I would say the pinnacle of Rolls-Royce being luxury, the whole experience, you're paying more for everything to be a great experience. Not just the materials in the vehicle, but also the training behind the chauffeur. For many years, they had an academy where you would send your chauffeur to a special Rolls-Royce school where they would teach you everything about the vehicle and walk around, you know, how do you move these doors just right, get the perfect ka-clunk when you close it. Imagine how much cooler it would be if they had a manual transmission and that chauffeur had to go to those training grounds and learn how to flawlessly shift. And how much more satisfying their job would be. 
remember, sometimes you gotta think about the little guy. Although that chauffeur probably makes more money than I could ever imagine since, again, there's a chauffeur or a billionaire or whoever. So interesting news from the Rolls-Royce community. And it is nice though, that there still is a V12 in their vehicle. I would argue as every Rolls-Royce should, but that's just my three cents. Used to be, used to be two cents, but this economy, four year hyperinflation, gotta do three. Should do four cents, but three will suffice. Though it is still free to click that subscribe button, try to get to 3,000 subscribers by the end of the month. Greatly appreciate your assistance. Now, other interesting business news, you have Lego looking like they're gonna move their USA headquarters. Now, the Lego group was actually began way back in the day by a partnership with Olden Kirk and, um, I say it's not as good as it used to be, Chris uh, Tynstein back, oh, whoa, about, what was it, 1991? And it was a, by a carpenter, a carpenter by built in built Denmark. And the real toys start coming to reiteration via wood copies or wood toys. 1932, the Lego product that we know really started to be produced in 1948 over in Denmark. Now, I was a little disappointed that now the, they make those toys everywhere, but it is one of the best toys in history, bar none. If you think of the creativity, the great, quite literally, the endless possibilities of Legos. I mean, who, who didn't have some of those fun Danish-made toys? Although it is disappointing all the years of buying Legos when I was a child, never did get the wooden clogs. If you're from Denmark, how is that not a promo where instead of using a you know, packaging that's made out of cardboard, put the Legos in a wooden shoe and ship that over. Again, what what is their marketing department doing these days? I But I digress. They haven't hired me as a consultant yet. Now, it looks like they revealed their future address for North America and they're going to be moving away from Bayback, Enfield, Connecticut, which I can't fathom why they had an office there, but that, that was their headquarters nonetheless. And they're going to be moving out by the end of 2026. And they opened that office back in 1975, oddly enough. Have about 270 U.S. employees. Oh, no, that's how many are at the office. They actually have 2,600 U.S. employees in that office. And it looks like they're going to move to Boston beginning in 2025. Now, this is the most hilarious part. This is a quote from a Lego executive. They said, when asked for, you know, why are you moving to Boston? Which... I won't even attempt to try a pejorative Southie accent or Bill Burr accent because they mostly all sound the same and I'm, nah, another time. Accents will come, I promise. Now, they said the, you know, why why Boston? Oh, this because, and I, this is a quote, by the way, quote, to draw upon the region's diverse talent pool and foster strong relationships with other innovative companies in the area, unquote. But I assume that wasn't a joke, but top company like, like let me see here top companies headquartered in boston i mean why not choose a state that's growing exponentially or a city that's growing exponentially like good texas florida those cities are growing exponentially well i guess those are states well texas is more of a country but a debate for another time but i mean there's a lot of holding companies i just you know did a quick brave search and a lot of the companies headquartered in boston the top 10 look to be intangible things. When I say intangible, they're selling things that are, well, quite, you can't touch or feel them. Things like insurance, you have private equity firms, you have software companies. Like Lego is a very real thing. Maybe the next Lego will be in a metaverse, so you don't even own that. It's just a thought, it's designed a little screen, you have to pick it up in your head or some, something like that. I'm sorry, that's not already a thing if it is already. But yeah, talk about an interesting place. Let me know in the comments. Would you have chosen Boston? 
like when I look at the demographic, the actual geographic trends in the United States, usually people are leaving the northern areas. They're leaving California. They're leaving Illinois. They're leaving New York. But most of them are all coming to Texas, Florida, and the Carolinas have grown in terms of company headquarters and people moving there. A very interesting decision, maybe because I'm sure they have one or two real reasons, but yeah, it'd be interesting to see. Bizarrely enough, Lego looks like they're moving. And I'm sure, as usual, they'll continue to print money for decades because it's one of the best things on the market in terms of a toy for a child. And to this day, even though the patent expires, now you have the knockoffs everywhere because it's legal to knock off their design, the idea, the proprietary idea. Nothing's going to be as good as Lego because they spend more money in research and development and production than any other company. One of the reasons it's so expensive is because of the very, very, very tight tolerances, which from an engineering perspective is fascinating. Some of their factories are completely automated. There's no people there. So if oh, it'd be cool if the machines were made out of Legos. They probably could somehow, but Legos building Legos, a joke for another time, perhaps. We'll see. Other interesting business use, you have Subway inching towards a $9.6 billion sale. Unfortunately, it is a, a Subway foot long, which means in reality it's only, you know, 11 inches for the $5, $5 foot long. It's $5 for 11 inches. A joke for foodies, I suppose, when it was exposed that the $5 foot long, $5 foot long promo was, is the name wasn't technically, I guess, the actual measurement because people actually went there with rulers and they found, wait, why is this, why is this sugar dough or sugar bread, confectionery bread, why is it only 11 inches long? And yeah, it, it was a big scandal back in the day. So it looks like an investment firm by the name of Rourke Capital is nearing a deal to acquire Subway, which oddly enough hasn't changed ownership since it was established by two Connecticut families in 1965. Wow. That's pretty, pretty impressive. It's been held by the same company for that long. That is, I gotta double check that. That's astonishing. Cause usually, huh? It says it's owned by Doctors Associates Inc. Founded by Fred LaDuca and Peter Barrick in 1965 in Connecticut. Well, I guess DeLuca, De yeah, the DeLuca family is still in charge, I guess, or they own it. Which, yeah, talk about terrible marketing. I guess maybe maybe it's like BMW and they really don't want to have the public bothering them. But usually if it's a family-owned company, you want to, you know, kind of the American dream is to build a business, have it provide for yourself, your family, your community. Most companies that are family-owned kind of emphasize that in their marketing materials. But, you know, Subway never really felt like a family company. It is, I mean, it's also a franchise, which McDonald's actually founded its whole life philosophy on, you know, family, community, faith. Yeah, oddly enough, never thought that. Now, it looks like an anonymous source is telling the Wall Street Journal that Rourke is set to pay that $9.6 billion. And it, it looks like it's the eighth largest restaurant chain. And it, look, and it looks like they have had other offers from TDR and Sycamore investment firms or private equity firms. And there's about 37,000 locations as of the moment. I don't know what the actual value of Subway is, but it definitely deserves a discount. I don't know if it's, I don't know if I would buy it at 50% off, but it's the worst franchise right now. If you look at how much they make or rather don't make, the last sales figures came out and they said that the average store made about $500,000. That's in revenue, not profit. So that's before you take all the costs, not only is the cost of the sugar bread, also known as their Subway bread, but you also have to take into account the chips, the syrup for the sodas. So all the costs just to make the food, then the machinery that you have to purchase, you have to have the monthly rent, the monthly internet, monthly electricity, monthly water, 
AC, all that adds up pretty dang quick, and the cost of labor. So when you take all this into account, 500000 is basically nothing. And earlier this year, they made it known that they were actually looking for more businesses to own franchises. So instead of like a mom and pop buying a Subway franchise and running it themselves, they wanted to have a company buy 20 to 30 Subway restaurants. That way they could survive because if you're only making, let's say, 3% profit, well, as a family, you couldn't survive on that. You'd starve, even if you had to eat the Subway sugar bread, which many, many would argue is actually a fate worse than, worse than death. But if it's an individual couple owning a store at 3%, they can't afford that. But if you own 20 stores or 30 stores or 50 stores, that little percentage, that adds up in the aggregate. So you look at every other franchise, I think Chick-fil-A was at like $7 million per store. And McDonald's is at $3 million per store. All the other companies are doing so much better. And they have Jersey Mike's just killing them in the marketing. I mean, somewhere right now is in a reactive state. And you can tell us also by their latest acquisitions of buying meat slicers. For my whole life, when I, I used to think it was good before I knew it was mostly sugar bread, but I thought Subway was moderately fresh thanks to their advertising. It was really good advertising back in the day. But lately, everyone's noticing that, oh yeah, all their meats are pre-sliced, which, I mean, logic aside, science aside, in terms of like the quality of meat, fresh versus not fresh, or sliced versus not sliced, it just feels more fresh when you see it in front of you. That's one of the reasons Starbucks spends so much money to have those fancy coffee-making machines. You can see the magic happen, so to say. But you have Jersey Mike's who's had their own slicers for years. They also have a brilliant marketing campaign with Danny DeVito, who is someone who I would guess enjoys food very much. He's also a comedic genius. People love that guy. He's perhaps the main, he's, no, 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 he hasn't, perhaps. He's the only reason It's Always in Sunny in Philadelphia is even around. That show was about to be canceled, but then he came in and saved it. So that's who Jersey Mike's has as their mascot or their brand ambassador, or whatever you want to call him. What, who does Subway have now? They had a soccer player who hated America? That little uh, Megan Rapino. Who who do you think? Well, that would actually be a hilarious poll. Who's more attractive, Megan Rapino or Dana Vito? That that whew, that's a tough call. But just which? When's the last time you went to a subway? I again, I don't know their finances. It's a family-owned company, so it's not publicly traded, so you can't look up their latest you know quarterly statements. But. I can't help but think whatever price they're paying is too much because you're going to have to revamp the stores more than they already have. You're going to have to have a new, a huge new marketing push and you have to increase the perception of the consumer so you can charge more to actually make a profit. Those are all very difficult things to do in business. It sometimes takes companies decades to turn around the perception of them not being a premium product or not having a premium service. Let me in the comments, when's the last time you actually ate at Subway willingly? And would you ever want to go there again? It'd be interesting to see, but as I always say, time should tell. Now, other interesting business news, you have Heineken looking to boost advertising. Now, this is from a spokesman who spoke to the Yahoo Finance team, and they said they wanted to look at increasing their spend by $100 million to advertise their new Heineken Silver, which actually, why would, in terms of marketing campaigns and why not Heineken Gold, or is that already a product? Heineken Silver, Heineken Silver, only 3.2 carbs, Oh, I gotta enter my birthday. There we go. Now, another fascinating cultural phenomenon is fascinating business sites like Pornhub. Instead of having an age verification on their site, they actually want to just shut down business from the state, I believe it was Utah. Because entering, taking, that took me less than two seconds to enter my age. And again, it didn't ask for an ID. But even that little bar, and we'll, we'll cover that topic another time as that continues to evolve with the states challenging each other or challenging the business. But something that came up when I thought of this. 
or when I entered the date, my birthday for the Heineken website. Now, it looks like Heineken Blue will have all the taste and no bitters ending. So that means, what the hell? So it has 3.2 grams of carbs, 96 calories, ABV, only premium ingredients, malted barley, water, and hops. Well, hops, that's really unique. I mean, that's only what, that's only the thing that every beer has, with the exception of Bud Light, which I believe is mostly mystery drained water. The science is still out, and actually the analysis behind that, I was about to say beer product. But, yeah, I guess this is a new light beer. Interesting. Marketing, hmm. I don't know, let me know in the comments. Do you think it's a good name or a bad name? Heineken Silver. It doesn't tell me anything about the product, except that maybe it's inferior. It's silver, it's not gold, it's not platinum. So why not just Heineken Light? That's a very, it's one of those things where it's not fancy to call a beer light when it's a light beer, but it gets the word across. You know it has less calories and carbs than the original product. And pretty much every beer company has it. Bud Light probably, perhaps being the most famous one, but I bought for the, my interview podcast, my guests are coming on and some of them want to have a refreshment after, so I bought um, Yingling Light, interestingly enough. So it's, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what Heineken does, but they certainly could use some better advertising in North America because the only advertising I've ever seen them in is when they bastardized the James Bond series or instead of asking for a martini, he asked for a Heineken, which is the dumbest thing ever in terms of marketing because people who are actually fans of Ian Fleming, who's the author behind 007 James Bond, and the classics, everyone knows he only orders one thing. Certainly he's an alcoholic. I've never actually seen a James Bond movie where he drinks some water, I believe. But nevertheless, he always has his martini shaken, not starred. Starred. That's the worst Sean Connery impression you'll hear probably this year. Probably. Now, ADHD. I completely forgot. Magnet. For those wondering what that was. Now, going over to the culture part of the podcast, you have a Bud Light survey claiming that they won 15% of the boycotting drinkers. Yeah, I don't I don't think so. Now, this will be a good exercise in terms of, let's break down the survey and see why logic will prevail. Now, this looks like it was a, this is from a, I believe it's a New York Times, or New York Post in terms of the reference where the study was originally posted. Now, it looks like the proportion of Bud Light drinkers who say they're unlikely to buy the brand the next three months fell from 18% to 3%. This according to a study by Deutsche Bank. I bet they make the Legos too. I digress. The promotion of Bud Light drinkers, or proportion of Bud Light drinkers who say that they are unlikely to buy the brand in the next three to six months fell from 18% to 3%. I had to reread that because it sounds so crazy. That, that does, it just sounds too good to be true, doesn't it? Because they haven't done anything to address the issue. They've put out content, but it had nothing to do with the main issues to begin with. Now they go on to say the proportion of former Bud Light drinkers who say they're, oh, let me see. Oh no, they say now just 19% of uh, beer drinkers said that they wouldn't buy Bud Light down from 21%. So that's a little improvement. And I don't know if this is because they're just lazy to not buy another drink, but when I looked into this, the survey was the sample size. And again, people are trying to use this as a, a reference point saying like, oh yeah, the boycott is over. You know, because the conservatives blew it. They, they, we told you this one was going to make an effect long term. It's ridiculous. Who, who do you think you could do? Who do you think you are? Well, that survey was 
600 people. Now, I try to drill more down into the data. Of course, depending on what, you know, depending on which surveys you're reading, they're either more or less open with the data in terms of, you know, age demographics, location demographic, or location areas. Well, ge geographical is a fancy way of saying that. But that is such a small sample size. I just, like, after you get under 1,000, I become very skeptical about any survey. And it just sounds ridiculous. And in terms of stock, which is another good parameter for when you're evaluating public confidence in companies, they've lost about $40 billion in stock value since April 1st, which is when they had the whole controversy of hiring Dill Mulvaney to be their brand ambassador, which hilariously enough, Bud Light said it was just one can and they said it wasn't. However, in a TikTok or a Twitter or whatever the youth use these days in social media, Dylan claimed that it was a campaign. Now, who do you believe? Well, I don't, it, their track record for both of them telling the truth is great, but given Dylan's past with successful campaigns with other brands, I believe it was a million dollars from a makeup company, I think it would logic from business sense, they probably would have offered Dylan a contract or an, an actual campaign, not just send a gift, which I don't believe that for a second, it was just a gift. You wanted publicity from the influencer, that's right. This whole person's life is taking pictures of themselves. They're so egotistical. You sell them a product for the pictures, for the promos. Don't lie about it. But I partially digress. Let me know in the comments, do you believe this survey? Do you think that fell from the 18% to 3%? There's no way that's true. So my three cents is I don't believe that survey at all. And guess what? The sales figures support my theory and Again, when we're looking at all these polls, make, make sure you always look into the data. The only, probably one of the few things I learned of value in uh, business or when I went to college for a uh, business degree is a business for a statistics professor who always told us, you know, remember your sample size. You gotta know not just the size, but who is it, the age of know the data. Because you can basically, there's very many ways you can manipulate a survey to get the outcome you want. And yes, especially in politics, and they do it on the left and the right. But I partially digress. Other interesting culture news, you have Bud Light sales down yet again. I don't know if this is so much news or just the new norm. It's probably the new norm at this point, but nevertheless entertaining as Bud Light continues to shoot themselves in the foot. Or maybe a more apt metaphor would be continue to drink Bud Light because I would think they're both equally as uncomfortable. So let's dive into the actual fiscal data. Now it looks like sales are down at 26.5% for the week ending August 5th. This according to Nielsen data. Now that's for the sales. In terms of the volume, the volume for Bud Light is down 29.7%. Wow. And the week prior is 29.3%. And you have a couple of Yahoo analysts who are claiming that these sales will never, they're never gonna regain those sales. And I tend to believe that as well. The only thing I could possibly think of is if they actually sold the company back to Billy Bush, who he was, a, he's the grandson of the original founder of Anastasia Bush who is a parent company with Bud Light, Budweiser, and 57, oh no wait, not only about 48 brands because they have to sell a bunch off. Now, that would be the only logical thing I could think of to change the public perception, because then it would be, again, headquartered in the United States, family owned, because right now, it's, they have a US headquarters for Anheuser-Busch, but the global company is InBev, is Anheuser-Busch InBev, that's headquartered over in Belgium, which don't get me wrong, they make great waffles, great guns, Fabrique Nationale is a great company, don't get me wrong, also known as FN. If you don't know what that is, that's like 
driving a stick shift and shooting an FN are perhaps one of the most the most fun you could have, I'd say. It's up there. I highly recommend both. Obviously, if you're of legal age and can participate in the great American freedom as firearms, ownership, and participation. Or you live in a state that allows it. That, that's, unfortunately, states are kind of banning that because they don't like the Constitution but, and the Bill of Rights. But I digress. I think we're going to see more and more of those sales flying precipitously for Bud Light. And again, this just further shows I don't believe that poll where they say they're winning boycotters back. Because I, I just don't see it. Anecdotally speaking, in terms of what I see at the store when I go to the big box mart, I've seen the Bud Light sales be about the same in terms of when I'm looking at the shelves and I do the little, every two weeks when I go grocery shopping, I'll take a Sharpie, I'll put a dot on a, a can or a, the case. Some might say I'm a rebel without a cause. I, I've been called that before. And I can't help but notice two weeks later, it's still there, which in retail is almost unheard of in terms of failing, in terms of moving a product. But it'll be interesting to see. Time shall tell. Other interesting cultural news you have. YouTube banning continuing as they looks like they banned the Fresh and Fit and the Red Pill community, which are both are apparently YouTube channels. Now, it looks like they're both been banned from the YouTube partnership program. And it's a really fancy way of saying they're demonetized. Now, it looks like Fresh and Fit actually had 1.48 million subscribers. So that's that's a pretty damn big achievement. It's very, very few people actually hit the 1 million subscriber mark. And they, of course, they claim, I don't know if this is a joke or not, but this, on their YouTube banner, it says it's the number one men's podcast in the world, which is ridiculous because as far as I know, they've never covered things like driving with a stick shift or having three pedals, shooting a gun, shaving. I, I've never seen them talk about those topics. Granted, I've only seen them like a day because I looked at them for the article, but Still, that wasn't on their homepage. Or starting a fire, what other cool manly things? Voting, fighting in war, having a family. As far as I know, they didn't cover those topics, or at least they weren't glorified on the top page. Now, it looks like their programs are, or like the shows, the topics they cover are Money Monday, which, eh, not too bad for marketing. It, it, you know, two M's, kind of cool. Womanizer Wednesday, hmm, and Fitness Friday. So. They do have some wordplay going, I'll give them that. Now, it looks like they are very popular with their live streams and that's where they make a fair amount of their money. And a lot of people are wondering, you know, you know, why were they really banned? And a lot of people are speculating that is because they had women on the podcast or on the show and they actually had a phenomenon. I and mean, I didn't know this is a thing, but apparently it's a, apparently they make a fair amount of money doing it. They'll invite a gal on, people will pay to comment and they'll insult her. And that pay, I believe YouTube takes 30%, but then they would split it with the girl. And there's a lot of speculations that some of these channels are getting um, banned or delisted or demonetized because either racism, and again, I've, I've never really tuned to this show. I only have very, very small experience into what they do. Um, apparently, uh, sexism, is, sexism as well. So it'll be interesting to see. But yeah, they claim they had no official reason from Google. So... They claim they're in the dark and I don't know. It looks like they might do this as a full-time job, which it is 2023. Don't quit any day job. I, someone said that in the comments in which I said, well, yeah, who would? I mean, tough economy. Come on now. Now, it'll be interesting to see if we ever get a real reason why they're demonetized, but their channel is now completely, I believe they're going to put it back on Rumble as well. And they also said that they have their own Patreon or another version of Patreon. So you can continue to support them if you're a fan of their content. But yeah, losing your monetization can be detrimental, obviously. 
not only not only is YouTube paying people less these days, but actually blacklisting and banning more channels. So it'll be interesting to see who survives the perhaps it's the YouTube apocalypse 2.0 or the YouTube. Uh, it's, just, it's just probably a good term your shtick in there somewhere if you were to look close enough. But it'll be interesting to see how many survive the YouTube apocalypse. Time shall tell. Now, other interesting culture news, you have Microsoft Xbox rolling out a social credit system and banning players for speech. Oh, how time has changed. I can't help but reminisce back in the day, back in the good old days of the Xbox 360, one of the most popular systems in history, playing Modern Warfare 2, and it was the Wild West. You can say whatever you damn where well pleased. And it's quite moderate, it's quite entertaining. That was almost half the fun of playing the multiplayer. Is just talking shtick uh, and spit. You know, it was a very entertaining experience. Probably not great for cognitive development in any case. I wouldn't recommend video games for anyone under the age of perhaps sixty. I mean, it really doesn't make you a smarter or a better person unless. No, no, no. I can't. I'm trying to think of productive video games. No, not, no, not really. Now. Eh. Maybe the Atari 2600 would be, in terms of like what's child appropriate these days, that might be the only child appropriate video game console perhaps. But I partially digress. It was basically the Wild West. No one got suspended as far as I know. And times, they have a change. So it looks like Microsoft, Xbox, and they've been gathering this data for all the time. And more and more people are starting to complain about getting their feelings hurt because heaven forbid you actually have a tough skin or a thick skin. Unfortunately, Americans have just become thick, not thick-skinned, which is, you know, thick skin is what they need. Thick, you know, you hit the gym both mentally and physically, you'll feel a lot better about yourself and the country will be a lot stronger. Now, it looks like if a player gets eight strikes, their account will be banned for Xbox services, including voice chat or multiplayer for a year. Now, again, I'm an adult, so I don't actually pay for video games. And I don't know if it's a month-by-month -month subscription or if you pay for the one-year pass. When I was a kid, Back in the day, I remember I, I couldn't afford Xbox 360, so I bought, I remember I had to find one used from a pawn shop or a used, uh, no, it was a used goods store. So I actually bought Xbox Live in the video game before I had the console because I had to hunt down the console. But I do remember at the time, you get like a little gift card and it was like a one-year membership. I think it was gold or something like that. Not real gold, that would be worth tangible money. This is just a classic credit card, but it's a gold package. Now, I remember back in the day, it was a one-year, but imagine if you pay for one year and then you're just deactivated, can't play. And with certain video games, the only point is online. I have yet to meet anyone in the past 10 years who has ever played Call of Duty and played single player campaign mode. It, I can't fathom it happens except for the developers who make the game. Like the whole point is online multiplayer experience. Same for even when it was the Xbox 360, even back then it was all about the online. Now. It looks like they, they have a nice little point system for their tyranny because of course, so they have all these different strikes and they have different penalties for it. So one strike, that is something that could include a profanity strike and a cheating strike. Or if you do, if you have profanity or cheating, they give you one strike, which why don't you just, why don't you just ban them for the cheating? When I was, you know, that's one of the most frustrating things is when you're trying to play that game and you have someone hacking it. Although ironically, I now employ those people, but Nevertheless, when I was playing, it was annoying because it'd be unfair, obviously. If you have someone who actually can't get shot, or if you have someone with a modded controller will actually go, it'll take a semi-auto gun and make it full auto, it's quite literally the definition of an uneven playing field. It makes the multi-experience miserable for all the other players because 
you can't actually go after that person realistically. So why, why would they not just ban them completely? Or if it's Microsoft, hire that person. Hire that man, as George Seiberger might say in Seinfeld uh, show. Like, why would you continue to allow that? Because they're making your whole platform miserable. But I digress. That's, that's, that's one strike. And again, with the profanity, what is a profanity? One of the worst things about Google, especially in YouTube, but what is your definition? Can you, is, is damn, is that bad? That's also a place where beavers go, but beavers, that could be a profanity depending on who you're talking to or the context. Because does context even matter anymore? Depending on who you talk to and how insane they are, they'll say no. But again, the gray areas where they want to live, so they can basically have total control and you get the illusion of some fairness. You have the illusion of rules when really it's just the rule of tyranny, them deciding everything. Which again, if they, I would be more comfortable if they were more transparent with it. Yes, it is their intellectual property. It's Xbox Live. It's their online platform. But they're pretending to be the good guys. They're pretending, oh yeah, we're going to have this. But you know it's going to be selectively enforced. So what is profanity? Who knows? It could be a damn, be the F word. Who knows? And the F word, even nowadays, that means four or five different things. Six by the end of the day because they think of new things all the time. So that's one strike. Then you have actions that will cause you to have two strikes. Now those include sex comments, which that one's more self-explanatory, mostly. But they also have more things. So another two-strike offense would be harassment and bullying, which again is garbage because it's ambiguous. It's, it's a gray area. What's, what's bullying? Now, again, I'm not being a proponent for saying you should go out and be mean to people. I'm saying, what's their definition? Is that just you saying your team stinks? Well, that's technically bullying, but it'd also just be a good example of boys being boys. Your team sucks. You can't, you couldn't hit, you couldn't shoot the side of a barn, which is perhaps like the most Southern gentleman way of insulting someone. Although it is about shooting. So it's perhaps one of those, it's probably one of those biggest insults you can give a Texan, but What's the definition of bullying? What's the definition of harassment? Again, we don't know. It's a gray area and that's how they want it. So they can manipulate it how they want. Now, then they have a separate category. This is three strikes. So you get three strikes if you do this. The most, if this is the top evil thing you can do according to Microsoft Xbox, which Microsoft owns, made Xbox, they own Xbox. It's, yes it, drum roll, hate speech. Garbage is the biggest gray area ever. And especially because it can be, it's so unquantifiable, you know, it'll just be used for political persecution. If someone says, oh yeah, Catholics suck. Now they, they won't get, I guarantee that person will not be banned. They'll not be prosecuted at all. Unfortunately, it's the one, it's the one religion that is still the butt of every joke. It's got to be such a cliche. They're not even funny anymore, but yeah, what is hate speech? Some platforms say it's using the quote unquote wrong pronouns. Well, that's also in direct contrast to some religious beliefs that believe God made you the way you are and God made you as man and woman. So you could also argue, again, some people are going to say, well, that's, that's religious discrimination because their faith has instructed them with a set of beliefs. And that's in direct contrast to that. Now, those people are going to be banned. Does that sound fair? It, again, it's so unquantifiable. It's, 
in my opinion, it's going to be clearly used for political manipulation and political persecution. Let me know in the comments, do you think it's going to be evenly enforced between all the different politics, all different religions? Or is it just being used for one size as a, basically a, um, basically as a bludgeon or a mallet to beat someone over the head with? Now, going into the strike penalties, you have one strike. If you get one strike on your account, you're banned for a day. Which, heaven forbid, you might actually, you know, might actually go out there and read a book. Or, you know, go outside. And I know it's scary. The sun is out there. I'm no fan of the sun, obviously. I burn. Perhaps the only Cuban you'll, Cuban you'll ever meet. He actually burns terribly. But, yeah, it's one of those things. One day, one day suspension. Good God, what will they do? Now, if you get two strikes, that's still just one day suspension. If you get three strikes, so if you just say three strikes, which could be just one hate speech, which, again, we don't know what that is because... They're not defining these things. They're just saying whatever. It's basically whatever speech they hate, basically. That's three days. Now, if you get four strikes, it's a seven-day suspension. Which means one of those kids might have to go seven days without having their eyeballs glued to a TV. Or, in this case, perhaps a computer monitor that they connect the Xbox up to. Now, if they get five strikes, that's 14 days of no Xbox. Dear God. 14, that's, that's two weeks, as the private school would tell the kids. I don't know what the public schools are teaching these days. In many, most, most of the time. Two weeks without Xbox. How could you go two weeks without playing Call of Duty? Which I assume is the only thing. Maybe Gears of War is still around. Two weeks, dear God. Now, it gets worse though. Or better, depending on, you know, if you think society needs video games or... Now, you get six strikes. That's a 21-day suspension. 21. That's almost a month. Wow. That's also known as three weeks in private schools. I'm sure they teach that. Wow. Three weeks of no Xbox. That, that, that might be enough time to get a job, some might say. But it gets worse. Oh, no. Now, if you get seven strikes, so actually, you a fun math game. That'd be two hate speeches and a profanity. Kind of a multiplier there. Seven strikes, 60 day suspension. My God, your reaction time will be the, never be the same. You won't be able to hit the same guys with the little controller in the Call of Duty game. You might actually have to go outside, help your neighbor, do something, do some yard work, ride a bike, heaven forbid. Now, the worst strike, the eighth strike. So you get eight strikes. They give you a 365-day suspension. A year. That's like a lifetime for a kid. A whole year. They might actually have to read a book. Dear God, what will they do for entertainment? Well, I'm sure they'll have their... I'm sure they'll have their eyeballs glued to their phone because most parents are irresponsible and just give their kid a smartphone for no legitimate reason. Yes, I said that. Yeah, a whole year. Without Xbox, what will these children do? Dear God. But as much as I partially joke, it is clearly just more, unfortunately, do not drink because it would be a dangerous game to turn this to a drinking game, but it's just more of the same in 1984. And Animal Farm, both brilliant George Orwell books, which, again, is a thing I know Americans don't know about. Books are like magazines, but without the pictures. Actually, I'll demonstrate. This is a book. They have pages. I, I know they're usually covered in more dust than anything these days in the United States, but 
It's a brilliant thing. I can't recommend these things enough. They're addicting, like a video game, only they make you smarter and a better person, I would say. But that's just me. I partially digress. Now, going over to the political part of the podcast, you have Trump crushing an Iowa poll while spending less time, money, and resources than all of his competitors. Now, keep in mind, this is for the primary, so all these polls are references to people who are traditionally registered as Republicans and they want to vote for the who want who they want to be the Republican nominee for the 2024 election. So you have all these gentlemen on the I guess you have one gal on the poll. Her name is uh what is that? People usually call her Diet Hillary Clinton. Uh Nikki Haley. Which it's, it's, that's just cheating. I mean Nick and you make it Nikki that that's just like that's cheating. Get her a unique name. Like topping. But I digress. Well this is from the Iowa caucus earlier this week. And Trump got 42% of the votes. While DeSantis, looking to catch up, he came in at 19%. And you have Senator Tim Scott coming in at 9%. Those being the top three. So it's a little disappointing for some people who uh, polled last week should Vivek Ramaswamy coming up in the polls and actually beating DeSantis. But again, a lot of these polls are, this this one is a little bit uh, better uh, sample size. The other polls, I believe, are usually between one and 2,000 or 3,000 people. Iowa caucuses, or the Iowa's, you know, the Iowa poll is pretty big. And as fast as you see Trump just gaining momentum or, and maintaining it, his lead, despite all the legal issues, which the legal issues are going to take his time and his money. So that's a huge impact on the 2024 election. Whether you like him or not, that's going to be a huge influence on his availability. But it's pretty impressive, politically speaking, that he's still leading in Iowa with doing much less because he's constrained right now with all the things I've previously said. Now, will he be able to keep that momentum up and keep that lead up? That'll be the interesting thing. And how many people continue to support him? And more importantly, can he gain the people in the middle who he didn't win or gain over in the 2020 election? That's going to be the biggest issue as well. Really interesting to see. Time shall tell. Other interesting political news. A little couple of videos of Vivek Ramaswamy are starting to go viral and coming up to the surface, talking to his experience more on the Second Amendment, which, unfortunately, I wish this wasn't a political thing, since I believe every American should believe in the Bill of Rights. But in the United States, for my international viewers, when it comes to the Bill of Rights and believing in the Second Amendment, which is also known as the freedom to hold, uh, keep and bear arms, it's become one of those things where it's a cliche, but Republicans usually support it. Democrats usually are against it, they want to take the guns away. Although I'd also argue Republicans are kind of useless in terms of where are the additional gun rights you keep promising us, where many of them are just acquiescing from all responsibility. And every once in a while you get a little more gun rights, but there's still a 1934 National Crime or NFA, National Firearms Act. So yeah, needless to say that we, I'm not a fan of many politicians, but Vivek obviously he's running for the Republican nominee. So people are starting to ask him, you know, what is his stance on the Second Amendment? What is his thoughts on how do you prevent some of these disasters, some of these uh, tragedies that are happening? What are your philosophies and how do you do this? Now, this is from a couple of months ago. It looks, looks like he was speaking at an NRA event, which another association that does some great work in terms of safety classes and courses, but in terms of political activism and winning our rights back, I would argue is they're not as strong as they once were. And most people I know these days are more adamant about Second Amendment they're much more favorable to associations like Gun Owners of America, who pride themselves being a no compromise, um, not, uh, I believe it's a 51 c 3 nonprofit. So they're all about no compromise, where they, as the NRA, well, they're, they pretty much acquiesce to whatever people on the left want. Wayne Lapierre, that Frenchman, 
is still the CEO after all these years. And their accomplishments, I think, could be written on a cocktail napkin. Don't get me wrong, the last accomplishment I knew that they did was they got concealed carry passed in Illinois. They sued the state successfully, and they got that law passed December 12, 2012. But that's the biggest accomplishment I could think of. They acquiesced to the, they actually endorsed uh, Trump's idea of banning the bump stocks, which is a huge controversy in the Second Amendment community. But nevertheless, let's get back to Vivek in his speech here. We are the pioneers who came to this country, whose parents came to this country, whose forefathers came to this country to be free, to be the explorers, to roam the American terrain without any government telling them what they could or couldn't do. And the reason we're able to do it is because of the existence of that Second Amendment. Now, I'll tell you, you hear from the other side that, well, we have school shootings in this country. We have mass shootings. I'll tell you, there's not a person in this room that wants to see another school shooting in this country. That is perhaps one of the most frustrating things when it comes to these political comments and these political debates, one of the most morally vacuous things you can do is tell someone, well, because you don't agree with my philosophy on how to fix this problem, you're heartless and you don't care about the dying kids, which is disgusting and shows how low intellect they are when they're using emotional manipulation and try to get their point across. But I'm glad he addresses this issue head on. You want to have the courage to deal with it, then step up and deal with the actual problem. We have a mental health epidemic across America you want to do something, you can ban social media and kids under the age of 15 or 16 before you take guns away from law-abiding adults in America. I still can't think of a single good reason to have them on social media. You want to solve the problem, you better take away. You want to solve the drugs on the street. You want to use our military. Don't go out to protect somebody else's border. Protect our border here in the United States and end the fentanyl crisis. That is how you solve the problem. The fatherlessness epidemic, 25% of kids are born into families without a household. Black, Black Lives Matter says they want to annihilate the nuclear family structure. You want to know what I say? The nuclear family structure is the best known form of governance to mankind. We actually need to bring back the family because that's actually what creates the shooting problems in this country. True. Very rarely do you find one of these incidents where they come from a loving, supportive family. But... No one ever wants to talk about that. They want to talk about the simple things. They want to blame the inanimate object that sits there and does nothing unless you pick it up and do something with it. Fix the problem. Now that mental health epidemic, where did it come from? It didn't start in a vacuum. Okay, it started because we are lost in the desert. I'm going to tell you something about myself. I'm 37 years old. I was born in 1985. I'm the first millennial candidate ever to run for U.S. president as a Republican. I'm going to speak with to you on behalf of my generation. I'm going to tell you something about us. I think it's true about all of us of every age, actually, in this country. We are lost. We are hungry for a cause. We're hungry for purpose and meaning and identity when the things that used to fill that purpose, like faith, patriotism, hard work, family, these things have disappeared. Wokeness, gender ideology, transgenderism, the climate cult, COVID cult have taken their place. You ask someone my age, what does it mean to be an American? You get a blank stare in response. That is the problem at the heart of our national soul. And if we can answer what it means to be an American today, 
That is how you stop the spread of anxiety and depression and uncertainty and self-doubt. So what does it mean to be American? It means you believe in basic ideas like merit, the idea that you get ahead in this country not on the color of your skin, as Martin Luther King said it, but on the content of your character and your contributions, which is why I'll end race-based affirmative action in America. Means you believe in the rule of law, that people like my parents who want to come to this country can come through the front door and make their contributions, but I am sorry, your first act of entering this country cannot be a law-breaking one. That is not racist or xenophobic. It is what it means to be American. Means we believe Thank you. Means we believe in free speech and open debate, because I'll tell you this, free speech is a condition for peace in America. You tell people they cannot speak, that is when they scream. You tell people- It's also how you create echo chambers. When you ban everyone and they go to one area, they're only gonna speak themselves. They're just gonna get the same ideas reinforced. You're not gonna disprove those ideals you don't agree with, which is why pretty much Pretty much, in my opinion, the solution to many of these issues is public debates. Have philosophical discussion, have the best ideas bring to the surface. People, they cannot scream. That is when they tear things down. Our founding fathers knew that as well as anybody. They had a dream in this country. It's the dream that I have as a citizen. That the people who we elect to run the government in America ought to be the people who actually run the government in America, not this permanent state administrative bureaucracy that actually runs the show. And that is why we need to get in there and shut down that federal bureaucracy. I'll tell you where I'll start. Let's start with the Department of Education. 83, thank you. Let me hear it. $83 billion a year spent on God knows what, foisting race and gender ideology onto our kids. Shut that down for a quarter of that budget. I've done the math on this. You can put three armed security guards in every school across this nation. You tell me what's a better use of money. I think someone also did the math on, oh yeah, we've sent, sent this other country over $100 billion. We've equipped an armed veteran at every single public school in the United States. But it shows our politicians' priorities. It's not our countries, the other countries. I've also said that we need to go further. When you have an agency like that FBI that told Martin Luther King he couldn't have that concealed permit, that now tells conservatives effectively the same thing, politicizing the police state against them, you can't reform that from the top down. You have states like New York that are especially like this, although politicians famously Diane Feinstein a couple years back, they got their concealed carry permits approved like that. But everyone else had to jump through hoops for months and months just to be told no. This is why I've said what you're not supposed to say, but I'm saying it tonight. I will say it again. We will shut down the FBI and replace it with a police apparatus that actually respects the law instead of making it up. I really hope he doesn't visit Dallas. It didn't end so well for the last politician that threatened the FBI and CIA. And that apparatus can actually do the job of those background checks, which means that tonight I'm pleased to make the announcement that if I'm elected next president of the United States, we will finally shut down the ATF, an agency that is beyond repair. That is the right answer left in the country. 
And while we're at it, let's make constitutional carry the law of the land and finally put any ban on those efforts to actually make that federal gun registry because they want to be able to find you just like the British monarch wanted to find the colonists. We're not going to let that happen. Brilliant and articulate end of that speech, I must say, calling on a lot of the things most conservatives are concerned about and many historical facts as well. If you look at history, pretty much every time the government takes the guns from the people, nothing good ever happens. There's a reason my family got out of Cuba even as soon as I could. And it'd be interesting if he can get rid of the ATF, which I can't imagine. There's going to be a lot of alive dogs in the next couple of years if the ATF didn't exist. My God. Which, dark humor. Look at the look at their protocol for handling uh, dogs. As well as look up Ruby Ridge and Waco incidents. But that's their protocol. That's what they like to do. So it'll be interesting to see. And as he gains more and more steam, I think we're going to have more and more of these previous clips. Again, that was from the NRA, NRA convention a couple months back. I think we're going to see more and more of these clips going viral as people start to research the man behind the messaging. Or the message behind the man. Yeah, little column A, little column B. People want to see, you know, what are his opinions on these important topics that they find dear to their heart. He's certainly starting to go viral. It'll be interesting to see, can he keep up this momentum? And what polls are he's going to accelerate in? And, you know, does he really stand a chance? It'll be interesting to see. Time shall tell. Now, other political news. You have Trump up 30, no, 40 points in a CBS poll, which... That's astonishing. Now, this poll was released a couple days earlier this week. This is a poll that was taken between August 16th and August 18th. It had a plus or minus margin of error of 5.7 points. And I did not, unfortunately, I did not see the sample size on the, CB, uh, on the CBS poll video. Now, so we had to take it, of course, with a grain of salt. Now, it looks like for the Republican primary, according to this poll, they had Trump coming in at 62% which is astonishing. So 62% of the people said they want Trump to be the uh, Republican nominee, followed by DeSantis at 16%. Then you have Vivek Ramaswamy at 7%. You have Mike Pence at 5%. It looks like Scott at, or Tim Scott at 3%. Nikki Haley at 2%. Chris Christie at 2%. And then Burgum at 1%. Hmm. So interestingly enough, it looks like, so last week we had a couple of polls in which Vivek Ramaswamy was beating DeSantis. It looks like in this particular poll, he's back to beating Vivek again, going from, yeah, that's a pretty big lead from this specific poll. DeSantis coming in at 16, and then, yeah, Vivek going at 7. So it'll be interesting to see if Vivek can keep up this growth, or, again, maybe this is, that one poll is an outlier that hit him up ahead. I mean, anecdotally speaking, in terms of what I see on social media, what I hear from my friends, and granted, my sample size for that is mostly within Texas. But there are more more people starting to appreciate his responses to these deep questions, and they like the way he could particularly articulate all of his ideals. And more importantly, how is he going to get how is he going to get stuff done? Which, historically speaking, Republicans and Democrats are pretty crappy at. It's probably a fancy word of saying that, but a lot of them left and right will just say the same cliche things. Like Republicans will say, "Oh yeah, we we need our gun rights. Great. Which rights are you going to do? Are you going to repeal the NFA?" Are you going to get rid of the ATF? What specifically are you going to do to get gun rights back? Or so they'll sometimes say, we need to get people back to work. Great. How? Are you going to, will you actually cut the corporate tax? Cut the corporate tax? So businesses are incentivized to come to the United States? What are you going to do to actually get that done? So Vivek has done pretty well in that regard, and the videos are quite impressive. 
So it'll be interesting to see Trump is such a massive lead. The only conceivable way I can see him not getting the nominee is the huge massive uncertainty we're all thinking about is all the court cases, which not only just from a legal perspective could be troublesome, because in some cases they're talking about removing him from the ballot. I believe California is actually pushing that, which should be surprised. But even if, even if they can delay, but again, he's still gonna be locked up with his time and resources. He's at the four separate court dates in four separate states. And most of them, I believe are more on the East Coast and Georgia, but those aren't swing states. And again, every nominee left, right, usually they focus on the swing states, the states that are known to switch sides. I mean, Trump is gonna spend, it'd be a waste of Trump's time to spend more than 18 seconds or one-tenth of a second in California. For decades, it's voted blue. Same with Texas. For a long time, it's been red. More purple now that people are comfortable with California and they, but I don't know if they're uneducated or they just can't learn, but they're bringing their voting practices with them, which again, their state is fiscally failing, not just because it's bankrupt, but while the businesses are leaving, you'd think they would not want to replicate that. But another topic for another time, perhaps. We'll be interested to see, yeah, Trump, can he make it? The odds seem to be stacked against him more and more, both legally and fiscally speaking, as fiscally he's going to spend a lot of money to fight these lawsuits. But let me get you to see, will the support behind him continue? Or will it get inc- will it increase because people feel it's like people feel it's unjust? I know some people on the right side, politically speaking, who they're gonna vote for him just because they believe he's being politically treated unfairly. And given the information that we have right now, I can honestly have to say it seems like he's being treated unfairly when again a lot of the charges that are being brought up against him were dismissed against Hillary Clinton. Same with Barack Obama, same with Mike Pence, who many are joking, he's a Republican, but main joke is really a Democrat, but he was technically a Republican and apparently he's trying to run as one. Trying. So it'll be interesting, let me know in the comments. All these polls, he's going up and up and up more. Do you think he'll get the nominee? Or do you think, do you think, I guess two things, are people gonna decrease their support for him? Or do you think he will be legally barred from getting it? What's his biggest threat? Let me know in the comments. I'd love to see what you had to say. Now, other interesting political news, you have New York losing more than $1 trillion in Wall Street businesses as they leave in droves for guess where? Texas and Florida. If only, it's so, it's almost as if businesses appreciate making a profit and want a low cost of living for their employees. Who would have thought? Well, that is called sarcasm. But apparently New York and California don't learn from their mistakes. I doubt they will because it's a cultural thing too. Now, it looks like not one, not two, not a dozen, not 50, 158 financial firms representing $993 billion in assets, they left. Now, again, they have, I believe, 20 to 30 billion, uh, trillion in assets. So the whole industry isn't leaving, but these companies are breaking the stigma that you have to be in New York City, or I don't know how they sound, like New York? No, I don't know what the accent that was. Needless to say, I'm not going to start an acting career anytime soon, unless I could be an actor that couldn't do accents. That in and of itself could be an acting part, but nevertheless, I digress. Looks like they are breaking the stigma of thinking you have to be there. The tech companies did this very famously during COVID, a lot of them left California. The largest tech companies left that hellhole. Now, that in terms of tech, everyone thought you have to be headquartered there. Otherwise, you, you have to be part of the community. Silicon Valley, you have to be there. But most of the tech companies left. 
Hewlett Packard Enterprise, one of the largest, most well-established enterprise companies on the planet, they left for Houston. Oracle left for Houston. CrowdStrike, the premier cybersecurity company, they left for Austin, Texas. They are leaving in droves. Again, those companies have been there for decades, since the beginning, and yet they realized they needed to do what's best for their employees and having a safe, lower cost of living, as well as the shareholders, because you're gonna get a lot better ROI moving to a different state. And even more tech companies have left California. Those are just the ones out of the top of my head. I'm trying to think who else now that I think about it. Leave. Hmm. There are a couple, but nevertheless, getting back to the financial, some of the most prominent financial firms that left include Icon Capital, which is famously founded by Carl Icahn. It looks like his rep firm represents $22.2 billion in assets. They went specifically over to Florida. You then have Paul Singer's Elliott Management. They have $59.2 billion in assets, including having investments in such well-known stocks as AT&T, Twitter, and then oddly enough, the government of Argentina, which that's certainly a different investment. And they decided to move it to Florida again. Now, also another one. Let's see here. Wow. Kathy Good. It looks like she's most famously for investing in Tesla, being an early investor in that. Her firm is known as ARK Investment Fund. It has $24.7 billion worth of assets. They're moving to Florida again. Now, in terms of overall, again, these are, wow. That's, yeah, so 158 left to Florida specifically. Now, overall, you had more, a little bit over 370 investment companies, and they all represent $2.7 trillion. They moved their headquarters, and this is since the pandemic, to Florida, Texas, Tennessee, and North Carolina. It's almost as if all those states have something in common. Although, let me see here. I wonder, North Carolina, Carolina, let's see here, do they have an income tax? That's one of the good parameters for freedom. Looks like, in terms of political affiliation, they did go to, do, uh, to Donald Trump at 50%, and it's close, 50% compared to 48.7% during the last presidential election. Now, do they have an income tax? Ooh, they do. So who would want to live there? Not me. 5.27%? Forget about that. Imagine the government or the federal government stealing 40% of your income tax and then the state taking another 5% or 10%. Then sales tax takes another 10%. I, I digress, but needless to say, I'm not moving to North Carolina anytime soon. But imagine that, 370 investment firms and they all left to states that are vastly superior in terms of cost of living, terms of better for business, lower corporate taxes. Will New York change to attract businesses anytime soon? Uh, no, I, I would venture to say no, they, they will not. Let me know in the comments, do you think they'll ever change? I certainly don't think so, but as I always say, time shall tell. Now, going over to the business blunder of the day, you have Nissan having a recall for about 230,000 vehicles. Now, this is apparently due a recall for Nissan Sentra's due to a busted tie rod, and this does include models from 2020 to 2022, and they claim that the tie rods could bend during use. That's not good. Now, in their defense, 
I don't know how much the average American driver weighs these days, but that might be a contributing factor, unfortunately. Now, they also claim this is similar to another recall they had in 2021, where they claim they, <laughs> they, claim they thought they fixed every car. Yeah, apparently not so much. Now, Nissan estimates that there are 236,238 vehicles that have a, quote, quote, potentially involved, unquote, in the tie rod issue. Nearly all 299,631 Sentras the company produced in all years. So, it's hard to believe they produced 300,000 or about 300,000 Sentras and they're claiming about 235 are affected. Now, I also think an abomination actually, I feel bad if you ever had to drive a vehicle because you can't even get in a stick shift. It's automatic only, as if it wasn't boring enough as a vehicle already. It's also a Nissan, so unfortunately there's that as well. Now, if you live in other countries, Europe, I believe you actually could get in a stick shift, which is how every vehicle should come. Because not only does it force you to pay attention to the road, but it actually makes it an experience and you actually have fun. But to have a Nissan, that's automatic and also has this big recall. That, that, that certainly is the business blunder of the day. Thank you everyone for taking the time to tune in. We're trying to get again to 3,000 subscribers by the end of August, so you can click that button. I'd greatly appreciate it. Also, take the time to like and comment. That greatly helps out the channel. The feedback is also invaluable, whether it's giving your evidence or your experiences about the topics we cover or just critical feedback on how I can make the show better. It's always appreciated. Also, don't get to tell your family, tell your friends, tell your coworkers, heck, tell your enemies, tell anyone and everyone. Just stay safe, fight the good fight.